Well, good morning. If you've got a Bible and you want to go to John 11, that would be great. Um, as is tradition, we'll put it up on the screen for you as well. Um, but we have, um, this, is, this is the point in time where I try to tell a pithy story and, you know, persuade you to come along with us. There is so much to say today, we're just going to skip that. So if you have your Bible and you'll go to John 11, I'll try to be pithy somewhere else. Um, if you have your Bible and you'll go to John 11 um, with me, um, we'll, we'll jump in there in just a minute. But we are in this series called I Am. To set the stage again, we're, it, it, the phrase I am in the Bible is such a heavy phrase. It's, it's, it has so much meaning. Um, it is the way that, that God, Yahweh, Jehovah God, introduced himself. He said, this is the name I want you to call me. Call me I Am. In, in the book of Exodus when he said to Moses, I am who I am. And, and John, the author of this gospel of John, <clears throat> who, is, who is a firsthand witness to the accounts that he's writing uh, for, for us to read today, at the end of his book, he says this. He says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. It's, it's quite a read. If you've been reading with us, we've been reading a section each day. There's a lot here, but John says there's a lot more that took place. And it, but he goes on to say, but these, the, what we have in the book of John are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We have to keep that in front of us. We're doing what we're doing. We're going through this. We're looking at who Jesus is, who he, who he claimed to be, and we want to know him in the fullness of all that he is because he is the source of all life. We don't have life apart from him. It's, it's just, it's so central, so core to, to even why we're here this morning that we don't want to skip over it. We don't want to neglect saying it even again. And so we are going to look at, at John chapter 11, and it's a longer section. And for some of us, it may be a familiar section, um, as, as much of the, the book of John is. But, but we want to look at this with as, uh, 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 as fresh eyes as we can give it. And we want to ask ourselves, what is it telling us about Jesus? What's it telling us about our Lord and our Savior? And so if you're with me in John chapter 11, let's just read through it, and we'll, we'll pause here and there to understand, but let's read through this and see what it tells us. John chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who, was anointed, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. That's actually future events in the Gospel of John. It's going to come in a later chapter. Verse 3, so the sisters <clears throat> sent to him Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So right off the bat, we were introduced to just this scenario, this, this, um, this sibling set, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and, and they are... Um, Lazarus has fallen ill, and Jesus says, he tells us right up front, what's about to happen, what we're about to, re to read, is all for God's glory, okay? So, that, so that, keep that in mind, that this is all for God's glory. Now keep reading with me in verse 5. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them, cared for them. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Thank you for the, somebody chuckled, like, that's counterintuitive, right? Um, there's people in my life that I know if I was gravely ill, they would drop what they were doing and come directly to where I am. 
to help me help as much as they can, help my family. One of the things that we've mourned in this, in this year with, with COVID is that so many people who are ill, their loved ones and family can't even get access to them at times. It's difficult. It's so counterintuitive, but remember, remember with what Jesus does, there, the verse that came right before it. What's going to happen here is going to happen the way it happens for the glory of God. So keep reading, verse 7. <clears throat> then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. They were outside this region of Judea. Judea is the region around the city of Jerusalem. It was, um, it's where the, the Jewish people would have called it home. Okay? It was the center of their life. So let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, by the way, and you want to go back there? Okay? That's a fair question. Hey, um, last time we were there, they had, they had their stones, they had stones in their hand ready to, to throw them at you until you were dead. Um, what's going on here? So keep reading. Verse 9. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? This is a fantastic riddle. Uh, sure. Um, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. That, it seems very parenthetical, okay? It's, it's in line with things that we've talked about in this series. Jesus identified himself earlier in one of the I am's as I am the light of the world, okay? And here he, he, he shines some light. He, he gives some, some illumination to what, even what that means. You see, what, when the light is with you, when you have the light with you, you can, you can see what, what's around you, what's going on, okay? But when the light is gone, it's more mysterious. It's, it's difficult, and in fact, you're more likely to stumble. That just makes sense in life. But Jesus is asking them, to, to this, in, a, in a way, saying, do, do you trust that I'm the light? Do you trust that when you go with me, you're going to see plainly everything that needs to be seen? You can go your own way, right? You can, you can go in the dark. You can, you can leave the light, but you're going to stumble there. If you're with me, it doesn't matter the stones they have. Right? It doesn't matter what happened last time we were there. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Verse 12, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Okay? Makes sense, right? If, if he's, you know, if he's fallen asleep, he's going he's to wake up. He's going to be better. So Jesus says, verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, let me just spell it out for you. He says, Lazarus has died. Okay? Uh, I, I, was, I was saying it gently here that he's fallen asleep, but in reality, Lazarus is dead. And this is what he says, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, I'm sorry, I love this, let us also go that we may die with him. I, this is... I, I like to think that when, when I was named, when I was, I was given, my, I share my father's middle name. My father was, was Thomas by middle name, and so I'm sure that that's the, the reason that I'm a Thomas. But I, I feel myself so much in this Thomas. It's, as best we can tell, this is the same Thomas that we're talking about with doubting Thomas, although he's not called that in the Bible. But, but Thomas, this, what a great phrase, right? This sort of like, like pessimistic resignation. It's just, just sort of how, you know, it's like this Eeyore-ish like, like, well, we're going to die with him, I guess, so why not? 
Um, what an amazing just parent. Like, this is where you go, like, what, John, I'm fascinated by being present in this moment. John probably remembers this, right? Like, I assume he does. And the spirits inspired him to include it here for, I, I just assume, our benefit, right? There's moments where we just sort of, like, there's moments where, where your, your passion and your energy are up, right? There's moments even in walking with Christ where, where we're just fully energized and, and everything is plain to us and we can say, like, absolutely, hoorah, let's go. But there's also another form of obedience with Jesus. And it's the obedience that says, okay, <laughs> um, I feel like I'm marching to my death, but if Jesus is there, I've got to go with him. Okay? It's repeated by other disciples when they say, where else are we going to go? You're the one who has the words of life, right? Like, of course there's something inside of us that wants to leave. Of course there's something inside of us that doesn't get this or understand. But I guess I'm going with you. That is a form of obedience. Keep reading with me, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. This is probably, we know he was in a region called Perea, it, 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 this is likely the time it took. It took about one day for someone to get from Bethany to Perea. Jesus waits two days. It takes about a day to get from Perea to Bethany. So the timeline is spot on, okay? Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. This is interesting to me as well because it tells us a little bit something about Mary and Martha, that they're a couple miles from Jerusalem. Bethany is just a closet community outside of Jerusalem. Um, and in fact, today it would be included in like the sprawl of the city. But, but it's, um, but, so they live close enough that it's, it's a short walk to their place, but, but many of the Jews had come out there to, to comfort them. The, the mourning for Lazarus went beyond just a small group of people. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus must have had some sort of standing in the Jewish community. They must have, they must have had some sort of some notoriety and, and perhaps some, some level of, of resources, wealth. So, so we, we have to keep moving. Verse 21. So Martha goes out to meet Jesus, and she says to him, verse 21, she said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Okay? So here's, here's this sister, and she's lost her brother. And she believes, we can see it in her words, right? She believes that if Jesus had been there, Lazarus is still alive. She has faith in Jesus. It's, it's real faith. She has faith in him, but there's also a bit of an accusation in this, right? Where were you? Where were you, God, when my brother died? If you'd been here, if you would have shown up, he wouldn't be dead today. He'd still be with us. Do you, do you hear that in her? Have you heard it from yourself? I've, I've said it. Where, where were you, God, when that thing happened? If you'd been here, if you'd moved, there's a faith. God, I, I know you're real. I know you have the power. But where were you when that painful thing took place? 
And where does somebody go from there, right? Where do we go from that point? Jesus comforts her with these words. Your brother's going to rise again. But the next thing reveals sort of the limits of her faith. It was real faith, but there was a lid on it, right? Because death is like, it's like the final thing. It's like, you know, you don't come back from that one. You can experience lots of different types of pain, but death is final. So she says, yeah, 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 yeah. I, like the things we say at funerals, I know I'll see them again. I look forward to it. I believe it's real. I know. Martha says. But verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. She says, I know he's gonna, I'm going to see him in the resurrection. And Jesus says, you're seeing the resurrection in front of you. The resurrection is standing in front of you. I'm the one that death answers to. I hold life in my hand. She had this lid, and Jesus, in one phrase, blows the lid off. Are you sure that that's what I'm talking about, he says to her. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then the million-dollar question, right? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He says to her. Do you believe? Do you believe that there's no limit? Jesus is asking her. There's no limit on what I can do. Do you believe that this thing that is for, for all other life on earth is so final? Do you believe that even I have control of that? Do you believe that, that it's not a limit for me. Death doesn't contain my power. I am resurrection. Not, not I, can, I can raise people from the dead. It's not, a, it's not a, a trick that I can turn. It's a power that resides in me, who I am. I hold it. I possess it. So much so. Do you believe this? So much so. That even if your body dies, you really live. Do you believe that? Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord. Get this, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Their whole religious system was, was waiting for, and, and, and to this day, the descendants of these first century Jews still wait for the promised of the Messiah, the one who's going to set all things right. And she says it here. She says, I do believe it. I do believe that you're the one who rights all the wrongs. I do believe you're the one who reverses the curse of sin. I do believe that you're the one who gives eternal peace and rest. She says, I believe it. And the answer to that question is, it's a, it's a pivot point, right? It's a pivot point. If we, if we, if we don't really believe it, if we don't, when Jesus says, do you believe this? Do you believe that, that I have life in my, in my possession? I own it. I have it. it, it it's, it's bound up in who I am, my identity. If our answer to that is no, then we have every reason to fear. We have every reason to fear because death is the ultimate end. 
And we don't have a lot of hope in that. But if we answer yes to that, then nothing in the world can best us. Nothing in the world can, can end it for us. Life with Christ, in so many ways, is coming to terms with this idea right here. Though I lose my job, I have life in Christ. Though I lose my family, I have life in Christ. Though my savings are wiped out, I have life in Christ. Do we really believe this? Do we really believe that though I fall ill, I have life in Christ? He's asking us the same way he asked her there. We have to keep moving. Verse 28. There's more about that, but hang on. Verse 28, when she, when she had said this, that she confessed and believed, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, Mary, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Keep reading verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, listen to this again, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? Okay? Now, we hear the same thing in Mary's words that we heard in Martha's, right? There's faith in Jesus. There's belief that Jesus is powerful, that he can do something about the wrongs of this world, the sickness. He has that power. But also, Mary has the same sort of limitation in her statement that Martha had. But you weren't here to do something to prevent the one thing you can't do something about. You weren't here for that. She believes. She believes. But it's as if she believes to, to, to an extent. It's a little bit like, like meatloaf, right? Not the, not the meal, but the, the artist. You know the one of which I speak. Yeah. Who said, famously, I would do anything anything for love, but I won't do that, which is, to me, still a mystery. Um, of course, I don't think I've ever listened to the song all the way through, but it's as if they're saying, Jesus can do anything, but not that, right? He can do anything, but he can't do that. He can't do anything about death. It's the great equalizer. It comes for all of us, and Jesus feels it, Right? Jesus feels it. Did you, did you hear that in that? He, he experienced it with them. Verse 33, when he saw her weeping, he was deeply moved, but also troubled, frustrated. He asked where they've laid him, and then that kind of famous verse, that short verse, shortest verse in the Bible, he wept. He felt with them. And here's the first thing for us to just sort of grapple with this morning, just as a, a takeaway but Jesus is, is present amidst our pain. He's present amidst our pain. It's so easy to picture Jesus as, as like a robot, 
or in a, an emotionless um, person. We even fantasize about this in our, in our, in our fantasies, our fiction. What happens when, when a being attains ultimate full knowledge and, and, you know, forgive me for nerding out, but like, it's like Dr. Manhattan in, in, in the Watchmen graphic novel where he, he knows everything. You may not know him, sorry, but he knows everything and it causes him to be cold and calculated. He's removed and distant. He can't feel because he has the big picture. And because he has the big picture, he doesn't feel in the intimate details. Marvel's tried to correct that with a character like Vision who sort of knows everything, but he feels, as we all know now. Okay? He feels deeply. But we sort of, it's easy to picture Jesus, the all-knowing, all-powerful Jesus, the one who holds life in his hands, the one who, who has the resurrection power, the one who knows the outcome. It's easy for us to picture him as distant from us, as sitting up and apart, away from what's going on, looking down on it with sort of an objective distance from it. But what we read here is that Jesus felt He felt. He wept with them. He entered into that pain. God emotes. Is that that a revolutionary idea for us? God feels. He feels. And it's not that, it's easy for us to interpret it this way and to say like, well, well, Jesus the person had emotions like a person. Except here's the, I want to resist that because here's the deal. How about this? We as people made in God's image feel like he does. How about that? Every time we feel that pain, the pain of loss, rejection, disappointment, every time we feel it, we're actually living out our design of our maker. It's easy for us to believe that somehow maturity comes apart from our emotions. But in reality, maturity comes when our emotions are fully formed as Christ. As Paul writes in Romans, when we are made up into the image of the Son, we're like Him. We feel like, we don't just think like Him, but we feel like Him. It's so easy to try and distance ourselves from from our feelings, to believe that that somehow makes us more righteous, that it brings us closer to God. But in reality, he is just as much about redeeming our emotions as he is about our minds. It's not one or the other. It's the two together. Because our emotions are impacted by the fall the same way our minds are. The way we feel is impacted by sin, ours and the sin of the world the same way that our minds are. We don't think correctly. We also don't feel correctly. And he's, he's at work doing something about that, and he's in the midst of it. Keep reading with me. Verse 37. But some of them, this is now them, this larger circle, there's these Jews who've come, and they've witnessed Jesus' emotions. Verse 37. Some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying. It's the third time, right? It's the third time. If only he had been there, he could have done something about it. Catch the tense? 
If only he had been there, he could do something about it. But now it's said and done. Nothing he can do about that. Verse 38, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Um, Jesus, he's not like, <laughs> he's not like fresh in the grave. Um, this is, this is, this is going to be bad. The, the, the limited faith is there again, but there's this, this move to action. And, and catch this, Jesus, Lewis says, he was deeply moved, he comes to the tomb, and then he takes action. Notice what, what preempted or what came before his action was his feeling. Jesus felt he was deeply moved at the tomb, and then he says, let's remove the stone. Verse 40. Remember, she said, this is a bad idea. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Remember what this all started with for John? When he recounts what Jesus says, the things that are going to happen are going to happen for the glory of God. You would see the glory of God, so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you, that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, but they, that, they, that they may believe that you sent me. I, I'll be honest, one of the things is like, like sermons and, and prayers are like a weird thing to me. Um, you know what I mean? Like where you feel like you're praying something for those out there. I, but Jesus like does it right here, right? He's like, I knew, I knew, I believe I'm fully in tune with you and your purposes, Father. But, but this is all, this is all for the benefit of, of the others. Keep reading verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. This is amazing, right? He's been dead four days. This, is, this, is, this isn't Wesley, right? He's not mostly dead. He's all the way dead, four days. And Jesus says, come out. And here comes a mummy, right? He's wrapped up in cloths. And he comes out, and Jesus says, undo his burial clothes. He, like, he's alive. Now, for us, for us, we probably have some vague familiarity with stories like this. And here's the fascinating thing. This happens to Lazarus. Lazarus never speaks in this entire encounter. We don't know how he's feeling about it. All that's pure conjecture, what must have been going on in Lazarus' mind or in his heart, what he felt. But don't lose sight or lose touch with what just happened here. Jesus spoke to his father. And a man who'd been dead in the grave for four days got up again and walked. I've, I've never seen it. I don't know a Lazarus. I have the account of those who did. I have the account of those who gave up their life to tell us these stories, to give us these accounts. But when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, it's not just bound to the first century. It's not just bound to this encounter in Bethany. There's a power that resides in him it belongs to him, so much so that he ties it together and says, I am this thing. 
And it's on display in the fact that a dead man comes out of the grave. Verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Do you think? Right? I mean, come on. This is it, right? You have your pick of all the superpowers. Which one do you want? Probably the one that brings you back from the dead. Okay? Like, but many believed. This is fascinating. Which brings us to the point, okay? We've got a little more of the passage to go, but it brings us to the point. We must believe in all that Jesus is. You see, what they had done is they had taken their ideas about Jesus and, and there was still some lingering stuff in there. They be, Look, Mary and Martha believed in Jesus. They had stuck their neck out for him. I'm gonna assume if they were people of means that they had actually given to his work and his purpose so that he could live and, and eat and his, have disciples with him. Like they'd given to his ministry. They were in, okay? But there was still just kind of something in there that kind of like, yeah, but not that. I believe, but not that. What happens if that goes away? What happens if the thing that we believe is too big for Jesus is removed? It's gone. This whole passage, it's a fascinating passage, of course, right? And we see so many things true in Jesus, his feelings, but this whole passage is about belief. Look at the verse after verse after verse. This is not all of them, but it's just a sampling of the places in here that it's telling us this is about belief. What's, a, what's going to happen here is so that you may believe. So that everyone who can believe. So that we can believe. We can trust. And if only that were the end of the story, right? But what, there's, there's something that limits our belief for all of us. We, we've got a lid on our belief. We've capped it. We just, we have. We're no different from Mary and Martha. We believe to some level, but, but we're, there's something that's just kind of we're holding on to. It's, it's like belief as long as it's, it's, it aligns with common sense, right? As long as Jesus continues to make sense in my life and in my world, I can, I can go there with him. As long as Jesus doesn't really disrupt my, like my scientific rationalism, like my... my the world is orderly, and he has to fit into that orderliness. My strategic vision, that this is what needs to happen. If we would all do this, or my habitual patterns, like this is just the way life ought to be, and it should go, and it's the way I go about things. And As long as Jesus isn't disrupting that, I'm, we're good. But I, this is the thing about no matter what's on our list, it, Jesus, Jesus goes like, oh yeah, I, I've got that too. Like, our scientific understanding, rationalism, I, I got that. All the common sense in the world, you can't out-common sense me. Right? I, 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 I've got that. I'm, it's, it's, I'm it. When, when, when will you take the lid off? So there's one last chapter of this story. Keep reading with me, because I... I I think there's one more thing we want to say about this. Verse 46, some of them, 
the people who were there, they went to the Pharisees. So now here's where the the secondhand account comes in and and it becomes um, a little different story. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? Notice this. No one, in the, no one in, in that world was denying that Jesus was doing amazing, miraculous things. It wasn't about what Jesus was doing. They acknowledged the fact that this is happening. And in fact, a, a couple chapters later, there's going to be a conspiracy against Lazarus because of, he was this like, piece of evidence right? That, that Jesus was everything he claimed to be. Verse 48, keep reading. If we let him go on like this, they say, everyone will believe in him. Boy, that would be awful. Right? They got it. They got it. If we let Jesus go on like this, radically, if we, if we take the lid off of Jesus and just let him run wild in our life, everybody's going to believe in him. We can't let that happen. So we got to keep the lid on this. But they were motivated by something. Look at what it says. If we, let every, if we let him go on like this, everyone believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place, which is sort of shorthand for the temple, and our nation. We'll lose our national freedom, our independence, even though they paid taxes to Rome and there was a relationship there. By and large, they were kind of allowed to, to live and do their thing. Okay? But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Did you catch this? Look at what happens. So now the story has moved from those who witnessed it to those who hear of it. Okay? Those who hear of it. And they've got an issue. By the way, these people, the Pharisees, are, they're like the religious religious. They were gods, like, they were... Time would tell us, while they were opposed to Jesus, or Jesus had opposition to them as well, while they were opposed to Jesus, when it came to their theology, like their theology was like 97% right. You know what I mean? Like if you just line up the sheer volume of it. They had the right theology. But they'd miss this key component. This key component of who the Messiah was what it meant to be the chosen one of God. And Caiaphas steps in here and he says, don't you understand? We're going to lose our national identity if we give in to Jesus. Oh, baby. I'm not going there. But do you hear it? If we give in to Jesus and everybody starts believing in him, it's gonna challenge our religious life it's going to change the way we do church, our place, our temple, and it's going to challenge our civic life, our national identity. We can't let that happen. We have to fight against that. It's as if Caiaphas said, it's better that God dies than we give up our national identity. You see that? It's better that God dies than we give up the thing that we believe makes us us. And it's not our belief in the coming Messiah. It's our dependence on our national identity. That's thick. Verse 51. 
He didn't say this of his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Catch this. Caiaphas, is, he's a name on the page, right? He's a blip on the radar with God's story. He, it's, John tells us he said this thing, but he wasn't even really, he didn't really know what he was saying. <laughs> he didn't even really know what, Jesus was, or what he was saying about Jesus. The death of Jesus is the thing that lit the fire that took Jesus out to the entire of the world. Jesus is gonna say in a, in a couple chapters, he's gonna say, it's better that I go. It's better that I go because if I go, the Spirit comes and wait till you see the power of the Spirit unleashed. All of this was happening so that God could get the glory. It was all happening so we could be here with this message and the power of Christ present in our midst, in our life. So here's the thing. We must believe in all that Jesus is, even in the face of losing things that we might hold precious. Otherwise, we become Caiaphas. We wind up saying, it's better that Jesus dies than I lose this relationship that I have, that I'm holding so dear. Or it's better that Jesus dies than I lose the financial security of my job. I'd rather that Jesus die in my life than I, than I deal with that. It's better that he dies than I, I give up what I believe to be my strongly held convictions about civic life. It's better that he dies. We're holding to those things in such a way that it puts a lid on our, our faith in Christ. It's not that any of those things are bad. Do we understand this, right? It's not, that, it's not that being from a nation is bad. It's not that having a job is bad. It's not that, that having meaningful relationships is bad. None of it is bad. But any of it, any of it can become that thing, that thing that we hold on to, that we say, yeah, but Jesus, you can't do anything about that. I know, I know maybe you could have, but here's what, Here's what I've got now for you to deal with. That's the challenge of this. I'm going to call the band up. We're going to sing one more song. But as we do, I want to ask everyone to, to reflect on this. Because what the passage is telling us is this. It's, it's clear that it, it's better to lose all of that stuff and have Jesus, right? It's better to die and have Jesus, than to try and hold on to my life and what I have in it and what I think is so important and let him die in my life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the power that brings dead things to life. And we, we can't, we ought not to limit that. In so doing, we, we deny him we believe, but we deny the fullness of all that he is. And we want to see his power unleashed, the resurrection power, the power that not only brought forth Lazarus, but raised Jesus from the dead. It, it, it's, it's real. It's the same Jesus today that it was on this day. He feels it with us. He knows our hurt and our pain, and yet he still asks us to give it up. What is the thing?
Would you pray with me? Father, we're asking today that you would um, you'd help us to walk in the light, that, that you'd show us what it is that's, that's kept us from fully realizing your power. God, we want to be, um, we want to be people who, who have no limits on you. But I, I confess, God, that I am I'm skeptical. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm resigned to a fate that if I really go with you, you're going to make things worse and not better. I just, I need to say it. And so this morning, I ask that you would, you would help us to believe, you'd help us to believe fully that we would, we would see you that you'd be glorified, that your, your power would be unleashed in the fullness of your resurrection in your life. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.